Hello, I'm Matthew Bay, a senior analyst at Stratfor, a Rain company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence analysis. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. Welcome to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Ryan Boll, in this week for Emily Donahue, and I'm here with Sam Lichtenstein to talk about Costa Rican cyber threats. Now, Sam, if you could walk us through what's been going on in Costa Rica in, in some of these cyber threat arenas. Well, it's great to be with you today, Ryan. Yeah, what's been going on has been generating for Costa Rica uh, quite a lot of international attention. Uh, and the biggest new thing that we saw on over the weekend on May 8th was that the newly inaugurated president, literally this guy, Rodrigo Chavez, had just taken office formally a few hours prior, declared a national emergency because of a cyber attack that's been affecting the country for just about three weeks now. Uh, so to walk us back, what we saw in the middle of April was that the ransomware attack affected a number of agencies in Costa Rica's government, most notably the finance ministry. Um, the very much notorious Conti ransomware group, which is widely suspected of being either based in Russia uh, or one of the neighboring states nearby, um, claimed credit for this attack and reportedly demanded a $10 million ransom. Uh, at the time when this first happened, uh, a lot of speculation was occurring about whether this was somehow a politically motivated attack intended to kind of disrupt the transition process of the recently occurred presidential election. But it's now become clear that this was a straight up financial gain that Conti was seeking. And what we've seen over the past three weeks is that effectively Costa Rica's government has been really paralyzed and particularly the finance ministry. And this is notable because as anybody who's you know, who recently paid taxes um, in a Western country knows all of these systems are going online. So all of a sudden, if I'm a taxpayer or if I'm a company that wants to file export uh, paperwork uh, or customs paperwork, really do anything that would involve some sort of sanction from the state to allow me to do so, I all of a sudden can't do this online. And that's causing a huge problem in the country. So we've seen this not only affect the finance ministry, but a whole host of other agencies to some extent. Uh, the ransomware attack even actually took down some of the administrative operations of a local utility provider. Uh, so good luck if, say, your power goes out and you try to report that online. That's going to not be possible under this attack. So we're now three days into the state of emergency. What that means in practical terms has yet to be seen, uh, to be candid, the state of emergency that's written into the Constitution and, and the laws behind it really are about physical disasters, so a hurricane, a flood, etc. So what this might actually mean in responding to a cyber attack is unclear, uh, but it seems to be, by all accounts, uh, the first time a country has ever actually declared a national emergency because of a cyber attack. Now, this isn't likely to be just contained to Costa Rica. So uh, what, other, what should organizations, private organizations in other countries be thinking about in, in terms of risks of similar attacks uh, against government agencies uh, in other places? 
Yeah, I mean, we're we're thankful, and I say thankful in, in big quotation marks here, uh, because for right now, the attack seems limited to Costa Rica. Now, of course, that's little solace to the people that are suffering there, but this particular attack does not seem to have any broader ramifications. But you're absolutely right that this type of attack could absolutely occur in other countries, uh, and notably, the uh, individual who claimed to have conducted the attack posted online uh, that basically this was, quote-unquote, a demo version and that he threatened further attacks not only against the Costa Rican government, but against others. And so in particular, uh, if you're operating as a business or, say, a traveler in a developing country that doesn't have great cyber defenses and the government doesn't really have any sort of robust capability to not only prevent, but more importantly, bounce back with kind of redundant systems or other uh, online services, this is a major risk, um, and and for businesses in particular, you know, there there are many things to flag here. The first of which I say is that you know there are major financial consequences. Uh, even just a few days into the ransomware attack, uh, so this would have been last month, one of the main exporters' unions in Costa Rica was estimating that it had lost two hundred million dollars uh, in just a few days because companies were unable to put together customs paperwork, etc., through the online portal. Now, three weeks later, you can imagine that that number has only grown. And so if I'm a, a business operating in a country where I'm highly reliant on, say, that online portal that may be taken down in case of a cyber attack, that's a big immediate risk. Um, another thing to consider is while what uh, the Conti group has precisely stolen remains somewhat unclear, they have started to dump their data. And sifting through all of that, it seems that they certainly gained access to a lot of the login information for people that were using these systems. So if I'm an employee and I reuse my password, uh, say, between my system on the government side, but then also my corporate account, uh, all of a sudden now corporate uh, companies' uh, online portals are in danger if their own employees are reusing passwords or login information, which, to be candid, unsurprisingly, a lot of us do, even though we know we shouldn't be doing. So there are a whole host of consequences to think about. Uh, and in particular, for if you're an organization that's in one of these developing countries that doesn't have as robust defenses and has little capacity to kind of resolve these issues, there are big risks to be considering going forward. So speaking of some of these risks, are there any other related uh, over-the-horizon risks organizations should be considering? And maybe you could explain for our, our, our listeners, what do you mean, what do we mean by uh, over-the-horizon risks? Sure. So one of the things, as you know, Ryan, that we're always trying to do here at Rain is forecast not only what the immediate implications of something will be, but really look farther ahead, proverbially over the horizon to what could be next to try to tease out for our clients and readers what we're thinking about could be the new development that isn't necessarily here yet, but could be incoming. And so here I'd really flag two things. Uh, the first is, while thankfully in this case, Conti didn't go after any sort of emergency services, let's say the police or a hospital or a fire department, uh, the group has previously done that in other locations. Uh, it's actually very notorious for being one of these groups that simply doesn't seem to care about the uh, 
impacts of its attacks. So if Conti or another group starts to really focus on ransomware attacks that have a systemic impact, not only affecting one particular hospital or one particular police department, but a much larger set of those, you can imagine the real disruptive impact for that. And especially in a kind of a small and developing country like Costa Rica, where there may only be a few types of kind of national hospital networks, etc. If you take out one of those, it can really have a huge systemic impact far beyond what might be seen in a larger country like the United States, where taking out, say, the operations of a hospital is certainly horrific and scary, but it may be only isolated to that one location. The second thing I'd flag is not only should we really be thinking about criminal groups here, which are scary enough, but also groups that are backed by a nation state and have a political purpose. So there's an obvious financial gain that Conti is seeking here in trying to coerce Costa Rica uh, or any other target to pay up. Uh, But you can absolutely expect that state-backed advanced persistent threat groups are evaluating what happens here. And you can imagine, say, in the context of the Russia-Ukraine war, if pro-Russian hackers or Russian hackers deliberately acting on behalf of the state wanted to go after, say, a smaller country that's backing Western sanctions to send a message, taking down uh, the government agencies through a ransomware attack that could either be kind of falsely portrayed as being by a criminal actor, or it doesn't really matter how it's done. Really, you could imagine a lot of scenarios where that's an attractive model for someone to send a political message. And so not only given the Russian-Ukraine conflict, but thinking about other countries that might have an interest in doing so, What if, say, China wants to send a message to a country that may have an unfavorable position from its eyes on Taiwan uh, or a country like Iran that may want to cause mass havoc in Israel uh, by going after, say, more critical infrastructure, which, of course, is something we've already seen, uh, but could obviously and more concerningly be done on even greater scale in the future? Well, it's certainly a lot of cyber risks that are only growing with the uh, the invasion of, of Ukraine. And as state actors get more and more sophisticated at, at using these tools, uh, both for criminal purposes and, and against their, their rivals. Um, thank you so much, Sam. Sign up for the free Worldview newsletter from Rain. We'll send you regular updates on Central American geopolitics as well as cyber risks in general. Find out more at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Ryan Bull. Thanks for listening. Thank you.